Welcome to episode 69 of Third Heaven Authority Podcast. I'm Mike Thompson. In today's episode, I want to play a clip for you from a sermon that I did about a week ago. This sermon, I think, is very important. It's crucial in understanding one of the great dynamics of actually walking in Third Heaven Authority. I preach it from the standpoint of the Lion's Army, Uh, Lion's Army meaning spiritual warriors for Jesus, who is the Lion of Judah. But in this episode, you'll discover grace and the moving of the Spirit is one of the key factors that we must have in truly releasing the authority and the power that we have at our disposal. But before I do so, I'd like to remind you that my new book on Third Heaven Authority is coming out in just four weeks. It releases on April 4th. And if there are any of you that would like to have a broad but yet the deepest teaching on Third Heaven Authority that I've ever done, I encourage you to pre-order the book. You can do so by going to Amazon.com or you can just search for the book online and there are a number of distributors that have made it available. So now let's listen to this clip, and then I'll come back. Lion's Army, we are sons of promise and destiny, not slaves to religion. Religion will shut the lights off in your heart and attempt to shut down the spigot of the outpouring of God. In the first chapter of Acts, We're going to read a couple of verses. Let me just say this. There's a reason that I said that we are sons of promise. When I say sons, I'm talking about the relationship of God. Male or female does not enter into it because there is neither in the spirit. But there are the sons of God. Did you know that particularly Paul, in his writings talked about a difference between being children of God and being sons of God. You'll find uh, that explained a lot in the 8th chapter of Romans. Children of God are any who have been born again. Okay? You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're born again, you're a child of God. But then, he says there are the sons of God. And the way he describes it is that the sons are the ones who have come to a place of maturity where they are willing, motivated, want to be involved in the family business. Children are just living their lives and being taken care of. God loves all of his children and takes care of his children. But sons, male and female sons in the spirit, because the male and females in the flesh, are those who want to be involved in. I mean, they want to get people born again. They want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They want to cast out demons, you know? They want to move in the spirit. They love the flow of the anointing of God. They'll do spiritual warfare. That's what sons are. So the lion's army are sons of promise. 
Now, promise, as we go along here, you're going to find is a word that not, according to natural thinking, would be like, oh, it's something that God said, and I hope it comes to pass. I hope that God isn't like my friend or this other acquaintance that I know or my next-door neighbor or my spouse or somebody, my parent, whatever the relationship is, that tells me they'll do something and usually don't keep their word. See, a promise in the spiritual realm is an absolute. Absolute. And when God gives a promise, and I'm not just talking about exceedingly great and precious promises. Those are described in the Bible. There are so many of those promises that God gives to us when it comes to, um, you know, our life and our ministry and the ability to overcome temptation, and we talk about finances and healing. There, there are many, many promises. But there is an over-umbrella promise of God. And that promise is one I want to talk to you about. Sons of God are, are sons of promise. So keep that in mind as we go along. Promise versus slaves to religion. Okay, Acts 1. By the way, the word promise literally means God giving a promise that he solely is responsible for bringing to pass. And the assurance, the absolute assurance, that he will do it. You'll find connected in the readings, with promise, the word faith and the word grace. You'll find that they their juxtaposition, their their opposite of law and control. Okay, Acts one, verse four. And being assembled together with them, this is uh, you know the hundred and twenty in the upper room. They're getting ready, uh, and this is Jesus actually preceding that, preceding his death and so on. He's given them commission to go into Terry and Jerusalem. They're going to wait there, and then the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. Okay, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We find then in chapter 2, verse 1, Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly 
there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Go down to verse um, 32 and 33. Peter's preaching after this occurrence, getting people saved. He says, this Jesus has raised, God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and here the holy spirit was the promise the holy spirit was the promise within the holy spirit is contained every other promise every other condition everything else that is available to us the holy spirit was the promise you got it that promise you find throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, even though it talks about the coming Messiah, talks about the future kingdom, all of those things. There became an awareness, and Jesus himself is saying all of these things will be released because of the promise. Tarry in Jerusalem for the promise. And when the promise comes, you'll be endued with power. And when the promise came, it was the Holy Spirit. Woo, I like that. I love it. I'm going to say it a different way. Without the Holy Spirit's empowerment, outpouring, revival, awakening, mass evangelism, reformation, life, conduct in the Spirit in heaven, everything, then those things would not be available to us. It's by the presence of the Spirit. Yes, I'm preaching Jesus, okay? Don't anybody confuse what I'm talking to you about right now. Everything is about Jesus. He is our Lord and Savior. He is the one who died. He's the one who was resurrected. He's the one seated at the right hand of the Father. He's the one who what? sent the Holy Spirit. Why? Because everything he purchased in the blood covenant that he established between himself and with the Father right now for us, which we participate in because we now, what? Are in Christ. Why? Because of the Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit. The Spirit the Spirit. So when I talk about the Spirit today, one of the things I hope that you catch is the presence of the Spirit brings salvation and life, but because of His presence. The presence of the Spirit. The anointing of the Spirit. The glory of Jesus rests in the Spirit. That's why I refuse to do nothing in ministry without the Spirit and the anointing of God. I will not 
stand in front of any group of people and attempt in any way to talk to them about Jesus, preach the word, move in the gifts, unless the anointing is there. If the anointing is not there, shut it down and go home. That's exactly the way that I feel about it. And when I'm searching and seeking the Lord on what to do, where to preach, what invitations to accept, or anything else, I have to feel the anointing on it. If I don't feel the anointing on it, I won't do it. It's just way of the Spirit leads me and guides me. When we come in, and as we open this service today, what's the very first thing that I prayed? For the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, saturate the atmosphere. Holy Spirit, rise up within us. Holy Spirit, be poured out upon us. Bring the glory of God. Bring the anointing of your presence now. Your anointing in your presence is life. It's healing. It's deliverance. It is not me trying to come up with a cerebral sermon and way to somehow either intellectually or emotionally touch people and tickle ears. I want the anointing. I don't want people leaving this room saying, hmm, he said a few things that were interested and caused me to think. That was nice getting together and hugging my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I want you stumbling out of this room under the power of God. Why? Because therein is an encounter. All I do is stand up here and like a conductor, so to speak, looking into the Spirit, hearing what God is doing, sensing anointings that begin to flow in the room, anointings for deliverance or for salvation or for healing or uh, you know all kinds of anointings and there's always an umbrella you've heard me talk about that when i ask people many of you on the live stream may not be aware of it but when we do ministry and stuff around here is that, and i have people come up and we begin ministry i always tell them that there is an umbrella anointing in the room that umbrella anointed is associated with what I preached on and with what is being poured out. But underneath that umbrella, that there are other anointings. And I'll begin to describe the way some of those are moving, what they are. And then we go with those. That's the anointing. The lion's army moves in the anointing. Praise the Lord. So we find here, the very first thing is the promise of the Spirit. The assurance that the Spirit of God will bring all things. Go with me to the third chapter. I'm, I'm building something here. Although what I'm talking about right now is really good, isn't it? Oh, look at you. I look around the room, and I just know also on the live stream right now, we've got thousands of glory hogs you live for it that's what you want and if you found CK and I that's all we give 
I've had opportunities. I don't know why the Lord's telling me to say this right now, but I will succinctly, shortly, and go on. I have had major opportunities within the church that have been offered to me that I've had to turn down. Not only because they weren't my ministry, but they wouldn't allow me to do what I'm talking about. And I won't get out of this grace. I started to say, I'm going to be doing this till I die, but that's not true. I'm going to be doing this till it gets so strong one day, I'm just taking home. <laughs> oh, Galatians 3. Just a few scriptures. We've been reading Galatians this week. So I'm going to use some of the scriptures. Look at verse 14. Actually, we'll back up one verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That what? The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now verse, skip down to verse 29. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now go with me to the next chapter in verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. We are children of promise, meaning we are children of the Holy Spirit. Yes, sons and daughters of God, so to speak. But we are children of promise. 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 Praise God. Children of promise. Okay, Lord, which way do you want me to go with this? Did you know that in Romans 4, the last half of the chapter, about verse 14 on, and then actually the first couple of verses of chapter 5, The word, of course, written by Paul, describes the promise that was given to Abraham. Now, here's my point. Abraham, then, did it by faith. That's why the, the, um, we are justified by faith and faith alone. But here's, here's the principle that I want you to pull out of that passage, is that a promise can only be received by faith that it might be by grace. A promise is a grace promise. What is grace? Grace. That wonderful word, carice. It means something that is given solely based upon the character of and ability of the giver. 
not the receiver. The word kerifs is connected with the, with the word agape, the love of God, which also is based solely upon the character of the giver, not the receiver. Mercy is something that God uses to keep us in his grace and is connected with phileo, which is relational love that we have in God that is based upon the two. So when we sin, when we have problems, God's mercy and God's filial love is there to help us out. Why? Because it's all under the umbrella of the agape love of God and his grace. Because the grace is the higher element that is born of God, that comes from him, and you can't flip and mess it up. You can't stop it as far as stopping God. You can refuse to receive it. You cannot walk in it. But you can't stop it. If I walked up to you right now and tried to handle it and, and said, here, I want to give you a $100 bill, and you say no and turn around and walk off, you didn't receive it, but you didn't stop me from offering or giving it. God is always faithful, always moving. Praise God. Now, what does this all have to do here? I'm building up to something. I'm going to tell you again. I'm preaching on the lion's army are sons of promise, not slaves to religion. Oh, hallelujah. Ooh, this is good. So again, promise is received by faith that it might be by grace. We read that scripture there in Galatians 3, 13, where it says that Jesus became a curse for us. Turn back there and read it again. In Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Now, Jesus was not just, and we understand that he was perfect son of God, that within him was no sin. But he was cursed for two reasons. He bore the curse. He came to take the curse that was on mankind upon himself in two measures. The one that's obvious that we all understand, at least hopefully do so, is that he died on the cross. And as he was crucified on the cross, crucifixion, was a curse in the land. The method of death was horrible, and it was a curse by mankind. 
he became that curse so that we could be redeemed. But I want you to see something else. I want you to look with me at the fourth chapter. Talking about Jesus, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law. Did we not just read that the law had become a curse? Born under the law. Jesus took upon himself the curse of the law. He was born in human flesh as a Jew under the Mosaic law so that he, when he sacrificed himself on the curse of crucifixion, also yielded in that crucifixion the curse of the law. What was the curse of the law? That no one could be saved by it. Paul here talks about how that it was a schoolmaster. Basically, there was a covenant that was established with Abraham that there would be a future covenant established with the Messiah and that in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed by faith. Not by works. But men didn't know what it was. Men, this is rather simplistic, but just catch what you can. Men didn't understand the covenant and how powerful it was. And they kept erring because of the uh, temptations and compulsions upon the flesh. Therefore, God established the law, I'm talking about the Mosaic law, as, if you will, the do's and don'ts to describe conduct and attitude under covenant. But it was a schoolmaster for a specific period of time. And at the end of that time, it was to close the higher spiritual element that God had placed within covenant all the way through and even was held up by the law. The law, the old covenant, and then the law within it, the schoolmaster, became, a, if you will, a wooden and earthly chalice to hold the higher spiritual element of the Lord until it could be poured into the forcing appropriate vessel that could use that higher spiritual element eternally in a way of complete redemption for mankind. That new chalice, that new vessel, that crystalline, if you will, that beautiful thing that the earthen chalice poured the life into was Jesus. When it was poured into the beautiful eternal cup, the body of the Lord, then the old one had to be discarded. The problem was there was a curse on it. And the curse 
is that you could not receive salvation by it because no one could keep the law. It was impossible for human beings to perfectly keep the law. But the law dictated in and of itself that every principle had to be kept in order for that person to be saved and to be born again, if you will, or to be brought to a place of perfection in God. There was only one person who ever fulfilled the law, and that was Jesus. No one else could. So in other words, God was saying, here's an old covenant, here's the law, now keep the law, but nobody could do it. Do you see the paradox? What the law did was illustrated to them and gave them the provisions of the covenant. And the covenant is what was keeping them in good stead with God until a new and better covenant could be fulfilled. It was not the law that saved them at all. And so these people then, we're talking about here in Galatians, these writing to, have a bunch of Judaistic teachers that are coming in and telling them that what you received by the Apostle Paul, that you could believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, is not enough. That's why he said, if anybody preaches a gospel other than what I preach to you, let them be accursed. Why did he say accursed? Because he was just speaking blackness upon them? No, it's because let them, you know, those that live by the sword die by the sword. Let them then live their life according to what they're teaching, which is a curse. They can't do it. They can't be saved. They can't be perfect. They can't do all these things. Nobody can. That's why he said, I'm sending a promise. The promise of the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God comes, then it will be faith by grace, not by the provisions of conduct. Nobody can keep those. But you know what? Religious people try to keep those. It's like being on a treadmill of works. You get on a treadmill and you run and you run and you run by your own effort. And right there, just six inches out of reach, is the golden ring, so to speak, that you're going for. And it doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter how long you stay upon it. You'll never reach the prize. Because the works will never get you there. They are self-effort. They are cerebral. They are of the flesh. But they'll never get you there. And people may come by and say, wow, you look so good. Look at that man over there running on that treadmill. I wish that I could run as fast as he did. And the guy on the treadmill is yelling out to everybody who comes by. This is the law. I'm keeping the law. And if I have to keep the law in order to get the golden ring, then I demand everybody around me keep the same law. Bring your treadmills. Follow after my example. 
Let's all do this together. And if you don't, then I'm going to find some way to condemn you. I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to browbeat you. I'm going to tell people about how unspiritual you are. And the whole time, all you're doing is looking for the promise. And the promise of the Spirit of God comes by His initiation and by our faith in the grace. I receive, Lord Jesus, I receive. And I'm telling you, that is the spirit of revival and outpouring and mass evangelism and the work of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus, by being born into that system, was born into the curse system. And then, he and he alone kept the law perfectly because he understood it. And he understood it from the heart of God, not from the works of the flesh. And even though he had every temptation thrown at him that we do, that all human beings do, yet without sin. And then he died for us so that he could become that vessel. Boy, I'm going deeper than I ever planned on this sermon today. Might as well just fasten your seatbelts. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then he poured out of his spirit. He became a curse by placing himself under law. I want you to catch this. Everybody pay attention and catch this. There are levels. There's no doubt that Paul in this book was talking about the situation because it had just been the birth of the church. Here's Christianity, here's Judaism, there are Christian Jews. They're not false brethren, but they are misled false teachers. True brethren, false teachers, who are trying to hold on to that which has been discarded as a curse. And get all of the new believers, Gentiles coming in, to perform things like circumcision in the natural. The keeping of the Sabbath in the natural. So that their salvation would be purified. And Paul came unglued. He was so upset. And he said, Jesus has already placed himself under the curse of the law, beat the law, then applied the curse of crucifixion, shed his blood, so that we could come in 
By what? The promise. The promise of the Spirit. The promise that is based solely upon the character and the will of the giver, God himself. All you have to do then is receive it by faith that it might be by grace. By grace. Lion's army, rise up in grace. Stand against every tormenting spirit. Why do I say tormenting spirit? It's because here also in Galatians, you'll find that in, uh, I think it's the fifth chapter, along about verse 12, he says, who has troubled you? These are troublers. Have you ever felt troubled? Have you ever felt the life of God and been so excited about what God is doing? And you heard preachers preaching under the anointing. You read the word of God yourself. Life comes to you. And then all of a sudden, people come along and they start putting weights on you. They start putting conditions on you. And it troubles your heart. And when you feel that troubling going on in the spirit... It very often is because the spirit of religion is coming against you at that time and trying to place you back under works. And I'm telling you that the lion's army must be a purified army. Oh, I don't care. When I say purified, yes, the spirit of holiness has made us holy and we'll do everything we can to walk in the spirit. And if we sin, then we confess our sins unto him and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it is not to be done by works. Not by works. When C.K. and I first came into the, um, the spirit-filled movement, when we, um, she got saved, I had been saved, uh, even though both of us were raised in church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we went out in our city to, there were no charismatic churches. There were some Pentecostal churches, full gospel churches, and we walked in and, and we would go into the church. I, I tell you what. The first time, I think it was the first, anyhow, along the way, uh, we just went to church in, in blue jeans and T-shirts. Um, even though I was raised Southern Baptist, I, you know, I knew, I, we were so filled with the Holy Spirit. All we wanted was Jesus, man. And the first thing that they did to my wife, who was spirit-filled, I'm talking about saved, spirit-filled, speaking in tongues, moving in the gifts, singing, praying for the Lord. The first thing they did is drag her to the altar and try to get her born again because she was wearing a T-shirt that had a picture, although it wasn't true, a picture of Jesus that said, my friend, written on it. While we were there and all this was going on, one of our friends, another young lady who had come at our invitation, came into the door and the deacons met her at the door and turned her away and told her she couldn't come in unless she went home and put on a dress. Now, there's a whole lot mixed up in that that I don't want to get into. I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds. Simply to point out, religion will try to shut your heart down. You hang on, Lion's Army. You hang on to the life, the life that you now live. You live by your faith of the Son of God. 
It's in the life. It's in the promise. It's in the outpouring of the Spirit of God that has come upon you. I'm going to read another scripture. Galatians 4. I've got to say this. I could end right here. But I've got, I've, I've got to say this. Look at the 21st verse. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. I'm telling you that in the body of Christ today, there are two sons. The one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. We're talking about the bondwoman was Hagar. And the free woman was Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman through promise. Everybody say it. Through promise. Do you catch it? Do you catch it? Bondage and promise. Now for those who may not understand the story, let me give you just a capsule. Two minute statement. God gave a promise to Abraham. Told him, in you, not only through the covenant blessed Jews, but in you all nations will be blessed. Talking about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. At that particular point, he and his wife Sarah, the promise had been given to, couldn't figure out in their own natural thinking how that could happen because she was infertile. Her womb was closed. They hadn't had children, been married for a long time. They were uh, in their 90s at that time. They didn't know how it could happen. So they decided to help God out. Religion always tries to help God out. So they concocted a plan that Hagar, one of their servants, would go into Abraham as a concubine. And then Abraham would then, through Sarah, have a child. But the promise was to Abraham and Sarah. So through Hagar, there's a son born. And then after that, years later, through Sarah, there's a son born. Ishmael of Hagar, Isaac of Sarah. One father, two mothers. You get it? I'm telling you that in the body of Christ today, the way I look at it, is that we all have one father, but there are two mothers. The one of flesh, the one of religion, the one of works, the one of trying to figure out how to help God and messing it up. The one whereby we're attempting to keep what God has given to us by our own flesh. And that's Hagar. There's also another mother. All of them? Children. And this other mother, are, are the children of the other mother, are those 
who have not only received by the Spirit, but they do what the Apostle Paul said. He said, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the works of the flesh? No. Having begun in the Spirit, they stay in the Spirit. They stay in the Spirit. They walk in the Spirit. They walk by promise, which is by grace, and is an issuance of faith in God, and that God is well able to keep us in His promises and what He has for us. And that Sarah, the children of Sarah. Now you see why I said that it was so crucial for us to understand that subject. I hope that the anointing just leaped off of this podcast and hit you in the heart and that the anointing shook you to the core and exploded great power on the inside of you. If we're going to walk in third heaven authority, then we must do it by the grace, the outpouring of the Spirit and the way that God has set it up. Praise God. Now I want to pray for you. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ now, Lord, I pray for every single listener that, Lord, that you would move in their life and bring covenant fulfillment to them. That's one of the main reasons for this subject. Lord, I want every single person to fulfill their destiny and to realize what you have created them for and what can be done through their lives, that you would bless them, Lord. I pray for their health. I pray for their finances. I pray for their family. I pray for their ministry. Lord God, right now, release the glory of God into their lives. I thank you for that, Father, in your precious and holy name. Amen. I truly hope that you are a subscriber to this podcast. If not, subscribe to it right now so that you don't miss any episodes. And remember to walk by promise. God bless you.